watching Home Alone this weekend. Oh, yeah? And I just couldn't help but think of little distinguished gentleman Max Hatlam sitting in his James Bond pajamas, shaking his head. (laughs) (laughs) This is barbaric. What is this? Jimmy Stewart would never. Where are the women? (laughs) I made my family disappear. (laughs) So we're getting to the end of the year, doing our year in tears breakdown, where we break down like the best, the really good, the average, the not so great, and the terrible. Gotcha. So that's the format we're going with. We're going to try and fit it into an episode next time around. Um, we have nonsensical names to label all of these tiers. The worst are the coffin flops. Just <laughs> dead, naked disgraces. Yeah, dead blue butts <laughs> flying out of boxes. Why are they naked? All right, so the bad but not terrible is the Fast and Furious. Mm. So it's bad but somewhat enjoyable. The average... Ramen noodles, mm, it'll yeah. feed you. Yeah. It's it's not terrible. It's cheap. The runners-up are the Eli Mannings. You're just never going to be Peyton. Mm. You're just always second fiddle. It's got gotcha. two Super Bowls, but nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> and then the best are the uh, Hollywood handshakes. Sure. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's the top echelon, the best you can get. Okay. So we've been doing this blog style for, like, two years, the year and tears. So this is our third edition. We're going to try and do an audio companion piece and somehow run through 114 albums and not bore you to death. (laughs) I guess we'll start at the bottom. So I always like to preface it also with like, obviously, there's so much shit out there just because this is the worst album on this list. There's probably way worse shit that neither of us will ever find or care about to listen to. But I feel like it's a little disingenuous to just never talk about the bad shit. Like all these top 50 lists come out and you never, it's all just glowing and nobody ever talks about the bad shit. They just want to gloss over it. And there's too yep. much of that. We got to dive into what makes these terrible, embarrassing coffin flops and why, what happened? What went wrong? I mean, it only makes the, the good stuff richer, right? Right. But yeah, worst of the year, Parquet Courts. That took the spot. Like, this album is just dead on the vine. It goes nowhere. And it's such a fucking bummer. It feels like there's a lot of the post-punk revivalist movement. I don't know. I guess it's been going since, like, 2014, 2015 with, like, Mm -hmm. Ice Age and Proto Martyr and Aught, stuff like that. Sure. And it feels like there's so many of these bands that don't know where to go, and they just get slow and, like, want to be jazzy, and it just ends up super boring like i miss the urgency i miss the weird time signatures that make it fun and yeah absolutely this was the the biggest offender for me i did see it made barack obama's year year end playlist (laughs) yeah there's no way he listened to that that was somebody on his team like i know put something obscure (laughs) from spin on here so i look like i relate to young people yeah (laughs) yeah that that was that was quite the list coming from barack (laughs) but i mean up until october it was far and away the Foo Fighters. Like, that was going to be my worst of the year. Oh, that really? That record was so bad. Yeah, where they tried the whole dance rock pivot. Is that what it was? I couldn't get a read on it. I started listening to it and got a, through a few songs, and then I decided I just wasn't going to listen to a song if I didn't like it. I was just going <laughs> to kind of treat it like any other album as opposed to something I was, like, studying. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up skipping every song. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't listen to much, did you? <laughs> yeah, I listened to half of every song, which maybe isn't being fair, but, I mean, if it makes you want to skip every song, then then what's going on here? Yeah, that was and a, I, a bad I, progression. I like the Foo Fighters, you right. know? Like, I'm definitely a fan of them. 
I can't remember uh, which album it was that I got into by them. Echo Silence. Is it that one? I think that was their Grammy winner. Mm, okay. With, uh, the best, the best, the best. You know what I'm talking about? That uh, is that a song? He was the best, the best, the best, the, the best. best. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was pretty into that one. Yeah. I like that. And then, you know, stray songs from other records for sure. But yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, I didn't like this new record. I feel like there's a lot of bands trying to do that pivot to like dance rock because guitar fronted stuff isn't really popular in mainstream right now. Right. And yeah. The only w- person I've seen do it successfully so far has been Foxing with Nearer My God. And that was really, really well done. But like mm. down a little further on our list, not quite the coffin flops, the bottom tier, but in the Fast and Furious, skipping ahead, Citizen tried to do it and they did a really bad job <laughs> i was wondering if that's they came to mind when you were mentioning yeah. uh like pivot to bad dance rock this type of stuff is obviously supposed to be like catchy but i wasn't i didn't feel like any of the melodies were particularly strong no it's um, i feel like people just play it off like if we give the effort to go into poppy catchy yeah territory that's good enough people will respect that i don't think they necessarily show the proper respect for what they're trying to tackle and the people who do it on the regular thinking they can just jump in and like put on a costume and this is who we are now. Yeah. I think that you can hear the pivot in the sound where there's kind of this indecision of like, do we fully do this or yeah. do we like, cause we still want the, the other fans to like us. Right. You, know? you can't really hesitate with a jump that drastic. <laughs> right. And honestly, like I'm just not particularly a fan of dance beats with, crunchy guitar yeah uh, it's tough to pull off that's yeah. something yeah <laughs> it's gotta be clean almost yeah limp biscuit did it back in the day though i mean <laughs> they make their old stuff look really good if you listen to their new record I, uh, that look on your face tells me you did not listen to any limp biscuit oh i listened to to still sucks <laughs> oh you did i did yes <laughs> <laughs> and yes they still suck fitting title yeah 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 that was really bad i don't know who this is for like do their fans is this all it takes at this point is like this little effort it's like yeah we're back we're a joke we know it buy our record like it doesn't make sense (laughs) like you're still you ironically producing new music what is this yeah (laughs) it felt like the guitar player only played like a couple notes and then just made the producer work with that for the whole album (laughs) yeah that was yeah that was number 113 second worst third worst was lana del rey She's just gotten so fucking boring. I didn't get a chance to listen to that record, but you seem pretty down on her lately. You want her to join a metal band. I did. I (laughs) want her to join Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. It's just boring. Like, it's not even that I liked Ultraviolence all that well, which is like her second uh, major label album. Okay. But it just sounds so much better produced compared to this stuff where it's almost just like sleepy spoken word poetry Mm. over like a clean electric guitar like it's just really really bad that was kind of a theme i noticed this year where it felt like we're expecting all these big powerful female pop voices to take over and they all just kind of hit like a wet turd like none of them yeah i was gonna say what you were saying about that album sounds it echoes my feelings on some that are a bit higher on the list, at least. Like Billie Eilish, Adele, that's, Lord. That's pretty far down for us, too. Yeah, she's in the worst. Billie Eilish, I 
Did you like her first record? I haven't really gotten around to Billie Eilish. I know it's been a long time at this point. It's one of those things where I was working at a high school when she got really big. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. that was all I heard about was Billie Eilish. Yeah. I was like, this is not the time to check this out because right. I'm too, too kind of <laughs> wrapped up in the... So you're going to taint your expectations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to wait and give her a fair chance. And the songs I've listened to more recently, I got to say, I'm just kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah. Happier than ever, the songs I've heard off of it. Like, I, I appreciate the the kind of shifts in style that occur during some of the songs and yeah. throughout the record. Like, that stuff is fun. Yeah, the title track has a big shift where it's super soft and then it gets yeah. real angsty at the end, which is yeah. cool. But, mm -hmm. I mean, it's buried in that fucking album where you got to sit through so many sleepy ballads. Oh, okay. Where her brother was a really cool producer on her first record. It has this dance pop feel to it and this one is just like ballad after ballad after ballad did he produce this one as well i believe so okay but yeah i mean they cleaned He's... up at the grammys with that first record and this one yeah i'm i'm surprised it's not getting more flack for being kind of a disappointment you also mentioned lord yeah that's i wasn't super impressed with solar power i mean it's good it's not bad to yeah. me but it's like feels like stuff is missing from yeah. it i think she's doing a good job like her voice is great some of the harmonies are really nice and and lush but um like production wise i felt like there were parts that just seemed like there should be a lead or something there should be another instrument playing or maybe some more percussion going on yeah um it felt really flat just yeah. there wasn't a lot of depth to it and yeah I, I just remember a lot of people were have been begging for her to make new music for years, and it just feels like she doesn't really want to or, mm. like, have anything to say yet, and yeah. so she just put this out to kind of alleviate <laughs> the tension or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, people have been saying the same thing about, like, Rihanna. Like, she needs to put out new music, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, she's kind of just making money doing fashion stuff. Do you really just want her to throw out something? Like, she's not going to do another umbrella. Like, why does she need to make more music if she doesn't have anything to say? Yeah, I think it's awesome when, when people jump into a different... I just think that's so impressive that she can pivot like that. It's right. like, let her, let her do her thing, because, <laughs> I mean, if she decides to come back to music at some point, it'll probably be better for the exploration that she's done in other stuff so right well and somebody as young as lord like so you basically just picked your life at 15 16 and that's all you're gonna do forever that's got to be pretty daunting to just yeah i'm expected that's... to be writing hit records every three years till i'm dead she's been working since she was that young i think so i want to say wow. she was 16 or 17 when royals came out I think there's we got to give people the the opportunity to say I don't necessarily want to keep doing the thing that I yeah started doing at this age. Well, and there's kind of tinges in that in the lyricism from both Lord, Billie Eilish kind of has some of that of like sure. just dealing with fame and yeah, fucking the whole. I mean that single NDA is just about how ridiculous it is. <laughs> right. that you've got to go to these lengths. All of a sudden, your life changes overnight. Yeah, and you don't necessarily anticipate all the extra shit that comes with trying to sell your art <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah lord was in the fast and furious i didn't have too many down in the bottom for coffin flops <laughs> wait, wait, this year yeah fast and furious is our we've gone up a tier the uh fast and furious so these are the bad with somewhat redeemable qualities <laughs> like the fast and furious franchise uh past years i think we called it nick cage uh <laughs> keystone light you know you can if you're desperate <laughs> you can get some enjoyment out of it but it's nobody's first choice 
The yep. Offspring put out a record for some reason. That's in there. We already talked about Citizen and Lord. Real quick, I do want to like just kind of posit the question: What does a good uh, Offspring record look like to us at this point, or does such a thing exist? All right, hang on. I'm gonna dispel this now. There are good Offspring records. <laughs> no, 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 no. I meant like <laughs> at this point, I agree that there no, are no. good ones. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I like. What what can they bring to the table that we're gonna like? Because they're just kind of doing like radioized version of their good stuff, right? Yeah, they've made their style more palatable. They've added some tambourines and well, it's even similar <laughs> to like what we were saying about Lord. Like, if you don't have anything new, like why? I think sure. this is their first record in a decade or so, and yeah. three of the songs are covers. Like, why even bother? <laughs> this one is of a- them is them covering themselves. It's very hard to progress into aging punk. I mean, they've already conquered, like, radio rock. They've done the whole crossover thing. So what is there left? Like, mainstream (laughs) rock isn't even popular anymore. Like, if they had a big song, it would receive, like, a fraction of the attention that they did in the 90s with their big radio stuff. So That's true. You can't really cross over any more than they already did with, like, original prankster with Red Man, like they've done that. What else? Like you said, what else is there for them to do? Not much. Maybe fashion, like yeah. Rihanna. They yeah. Do. And get into selling offspring thongs, <laughs> <laughs> offspring condoms, anti-offspring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else is in here? Kanye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Donda. Donda. When I looked back over my list, I was like, huh. Am I going to put Donda in the Fast and Furious or am I going to put it in the Coffin Flops? But mm. Jail starts the album off really good. After you listen to somebody go, Donda, 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 <laughs> Donda. Jail's a really good song, but then, it, yeah, it tails off hard. 94, that's a good number for it. That's good enough. <laughs> that's good enough. But hip-hop as a whole, I felt, was kind of a letdown this year. I think just because I was expecting more releases, there was... A lot of rumored stuff about Kendrick having a new record, Denzel Curry, yeah, um, Earl Sweatshirt, Danny Brown, Freddie Gibbs, and none of it ever came out. Yeah. So that was a bummer. All we got was Drake and Kanye, and I could go without either of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'd prefer everyone else that you just named. But, um, yeah, other stuff in Fast and Furious. We had two Weezer albums, Van Weezer, which just sounds like they tried to stretch the single they made for the Bill and Ted soundtrack into an entire album, <laughs> and it's not very good. And then uh, OK Human, which is like Rivers Cuomo's lockdown album where he essentially just wrote the whole thing on piano. It doesn't even sound like a full band record. I was wondering, yeah. It's, I couldn't figure out what was going on with this. And, yeah, I was like, are the other members here? Or is it I just... honestly don't know if they had input on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's very singular. I do mm-hmm. like all my favorite songs. Like, that's one of the best singles they've put out in a long time. But Yeah, I thought it was all right. I um, feel like they he definitely could have just released that as a solo record instead of slapping Weezer on it. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been a better move. He seems like such a bitter person at this point. Yeah. And... This is the guy that was like talking about, you know, playing D and D and hanging out in his garage and feeling comfortable there. But yeah. now he's like ripping on kids for looking at their phones all the time, and it's like, uh, it's really strange too because then, like, what was it the Black Album? He wrote a whole album about like vaping and playing Fortnite. Like, it's like he hates young people, but he really wants to be one. <laughs> There's another one where he's like talking about, you know, listening to these old books on 
oh, Audible. Yeah. There's and, a whole Audible song. Yeah, in <laughs> name drops Audible in it. But it's still, it's kind of saying like, oh, these are the, these are the, the real. This is the art, dude. Moby Dick. Like, why aren't Grapes you reading rap, this? Dude. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that stuff's great, but like, it's <laughs> been, it's been disseminated into. <laughs> He's like a hipster dad. Like, I imagine his kids bring friends over. They're like, oh, stay away from my dad, or he's going to talk to you about fucking how cool the 90s were for 100 minutes straight. Yeah, (laughs) it would not be fun to be his kid. (laughs) (laughs) Illuminati hotties. That's another one where I like. They also seem like they're in that gray area where they want to be super poppy, but then they try and just purposefully derail themselves into making weird choices to Mm. make it punk still and neither one really works for me clashing with themselves yeah it's a strange thing to pull off like the replacements did it really well because like they would have something super poppy and then just go into a random like breakdown or something super noisy or like dillinger four Uh like bands do it and can do it well but i don't know some of these i feel like are trying way too hard and It's one of those things where you try to please everybody and don't please anyone. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the middle tier, the ramen noodles, you know, okay. Not great, not terrible. What did you think of, uh, I think you pronounce it Delete Zeke, D-L-T-Z-K? Yeah, Delete Zeke, now I remember. I I like it. Yeah. I think it's cool. The production's awesome. Yeah, I like the production. I'm still. (laughs) I'm right there with you, dude. I'm like. You got to sing more than like three notes. Yeah. You know, it's right. it's a lot of the same kind of melody structure going on. They could definitely be better, but I feel like this is a very, very promising start to have these two records in one year where yeah. you could even see like a pretty substantial growth, I felt like, going from Teen Week to Frailty. Because okay. Frailty seemed like a lot more fleshed out. The lyrics were a lot more in depth. And But yeah, it's just some of the delivery was subpar. But yeah. I think that's something can get better, especially with the kind of music he's doing. We also got the Armed Ultra Pop. That was another favorite I've seen in a lot of publications for album of the year. Oh, yeah? But it's one of those where I admire the intent more than the end result. It's a cool idea to do like a noise pop hardcore record, but I don't know. I don't find myself like wanting to go back to it or thinking it really broke the mold and like a lot of people are going to be doing this i feel like this is going to be like the myspace of noise pop like yeah it was cool for its time but there's going to be a facebook that comes by and does it way better Uh. (laughs) that lasts way longer every time i die are you big into those guys at all i used to like them quite a bit are they still like a southern rock band or what are they doing nowadays there's a lot of stuff that's kind of cool where they're still hanging on to some of those metalcore sensibilities but then there's also like this weird choral vocal thing where they're trying to sound like somewhere between system of a down and ghost oh that's a bummer especially with how bad some of the lyrics are Mm. (laughs) like i'd rather i didn't understand what any of the lyrics on planet shit were because (laughs) it's there's not a lot there as for biggest disappointments vince staples was probably one of mine this year i've still got it like middle of the pack i think 65 is where i put it but and yeah he hasn't done a full length since 2017 and then this is 22 minutes long with two instrumental interludes like there's nothing here right that's a bummer because he's a really good rapper and the production was awesome on yeah. big fish theory but well and i enjoyed what was here on this album too like for yeah. the most part but yeah it did feel kind of thin world is a beautiful place and i am no longer afraid to die 
pushing some weird new ground with like Prague emo. Oh. And it's the recipe like didn't really come together for me at all until mm. the last two tracks and they're really fucking good, but they're like 16 minute long. They're really really oh. wild. That sounds fun. I'm going to have to check that out cuz I'm into 16 minute songs yeah. and, and prog stuff. So the uh the whole album is an hour and 10 minutes, but the last two tracks are 34 minutes hour and 10 is really yeah it's pushing it 11 yeah, tracks that's like 30 minutes more than what a lot of people do like i said the, the last two tracks on the record are really good but the stuff before it's just kind of like eh, feels i don't know if tacked on or like they never really quite figured out where they wanted to go until those other tracks i'd be interested yeah, to sure. know like what order they wrote the songs in sure did they just have to tack this other stuff on or was it vice versa and like they finally got the experiment right on these last two but right it was a mixed bag for sure low uh they had a new record out this year admire the ambition of it and like what they were able to do production wise but it wasn't something that like blew me away with their arrangements okay like it has a really lush production it's really cool sounding but not something i'm gonna listen to for the rest of my life by any means what kind of music are they they used to be kind of like slow core but the new stuff is way more noisy and electronic and it's it's really wild. I don't know. Hmm. It's they're another band where they've been around forever, like twenty five some years and like Wow. For them to pivot this late and make this kind of a weird production shift was really impressive to me. Yeah, that's always cool. Halsey was interesting. Um if I can't have love, I want power. Yeah, I liked that one. I'd I'd never really it was somebody I'd always heard of, but I've never listened to much Same. of. But the uh the Trent Reznor collaboration definitely got my attention. I kind of thought it was just going to be like a a name grab, but right. just from the first track you can definitely tell his involvement was way more involved than that. Yeah. At least in the first few tracks it kind of wears off at the end, but Yeah, there were a few that felt a little empty, yeah. but um overall, yeah, man. JPEG Mafia reminded me a little bit of that Delete Zeke where the production was really fucking good, but Yeah. As an MC, I still kind of want more. It even pointed it out like so obvious when he's got bald remix on the end of his album uh-huh. where you already heard his version with his verses on it but then he brings in denzel curry to do like the same exact song with his verses on it right it, it just hits so much harder where i was like man i wish i wish you would kind of just take a back seat and produce an album and just have a bunch of features almost like a dr dre the chronic you know? yeah i would totally agree with that because his production is fantastic i mean yeah really meaty drums with like it's like really heavy kick vocals pushed back the space of the vocals and everything just felt really nice and different from what you hear in hip-hop right kind of grainy in a way that you don't usually hear like overall yeah um, i like this whole trend of like really just distorted but still poppy it's like hearing hip-hop with like a fretless bass like it's all <laughs> over the place but right it still has that groove to it where it finds a rhythm yeah like, a lot of the hip-hop albums this year felt organic in a way that I feel like hip-hop typically doesn't. Yeah. Um. So that was cool. There's another Arm & Hammer record. I really like Billy Woods. I think he's officially my favorite rapper going right now. For so many years, everybody only just mentioned the rapper as, like, the, the lone artist on the album. And it's uh-huh. kind of cool to see, like, the Alchemist build front and center on this record because he shaped so much of it. I like that. I think Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib yeah. do that. And that's another yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. I always want to know who the producer is. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. tell me. Right. Well, that was one of the things I respected about 
Kanye back in the day is that he had such an imprint on the production and of the sound of his albums where he wasn't just coming in spitting verses and like, yeah, sure. you stitch it together, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, the Arm and Hammer, it was good. It could have been better. I think maybe I'm just holding it up to the standards of hiding places that set the bar for me as far as Billy Woods, but one of my favorite hip hop albums in a long time. But yeah, speaking of Mad Lib, he had his solo record. It was right on the verge of Ramen Noodles and Eli Manning's. I probably should have included it as an Eli Manning. It was, yeah, you having second thoughts? It was pretty good. Talking about producers front and center, like I couldn't really decide which I preferred. Like, Would I rather have a rap album with really good production but kind of so-so vocals mm-hmm. or a really fucking good rapper with just like a shit production, you know, of like... It's got to be the latter for me, honestly. Cause like you'd rather have a really good rapper with bad production. Yeah, because that's what yeah. rap used to be, and it yeah. was still good. <laughs> I mean, that, I guess my counter to that is that's what rap used to be. I'm I'm excited that it's more of a full grown experience into more of a musical thing. As but if, I totally get what you're saying. That's like in a world where we have to choose one or the other. Yeah, like yeah it's yeah. great that we can actually have both sometimes nowadays. Yeah. I I love where hip hop is at now. I think a lot of the the moves forward that are being made in music overall are happening in hip hop. Yeah. To speak to your point, I've got sound ancestors down here at number 40 on the list. Whereas last year, Mad Lib put out a record with his brother, I think. Oh yeah. I believe Ono is his brother, but their group was called the professionals. But I mean, there's a reason you haven't heard Mad Lib's brother, (laughs) but I really like the record. I like, it's like, I think I put it like number three last year. Okay. The production was awesome, mm-hmm. and just having the vocals there, I guess, made me like it more than Sound Ancestors, which feels more like a mixtape or something without any vocals present. Okay. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff that I like on Sound Ancestors, but it just doesn't feel as complete as the Professionals album from last year. So the Eli Mannings, the Little Brothers, the Runner Ups, I got Turnstile right out of the gate. Everybody has this as album of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. The Alternative, Pitchfork, Spin, everybody loves this record. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier and kind of have a similar consensus of all of our friends are really into this band, and I'm not sure what's there that everyone is is so interested in. It's fine. I do admire the fact that their last two records, they were pretty much just straightforward, hardcore punk, like a good riddance just power chord in your face, couple breakdowns. And this one pivots a little bit and does some weird stuff with like dream pop. They don't go full shoegaze, thank God, but like it's a little different, but I don't know that it's great either. It's like, like, I don't know, just some of the vocal melodies and stuff, like some of the genre blending stuff is cool and inventive, but other times I feel like I'm just listening to fucking POD. Like, yeah, see, <laughs> doesn't that's, make sense. Right. And that, that's the part that doesn't work for me is like, I don't want to dog on people trying to do right. cool stuff yeah. like and be creative. <laughs> but like, yeah, for some reason that, that blend just did not work for me. Sorry to all my friends. I'm just a little surprised they've been like overnight anointed as like, yep, these are the best guys going. And I'm like, what? well, because yeah, well, I got the impression that it was like, I mean, because <laughs> when they were shown to me, it was like, oh, this is this band's OK. You know, this yeah. is what I've been listening to because there aren't other good like punk yeah. bands that I'm into right now. Look, people still make punk music. Look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I that's, bet people mosh to this. Yeah, that's kind of how it felt when they showed it to me. Japanese Breakfast was another big one. Got a lot of fucking accolade. I think she's nominated for a Grammy. 
Yeah, she's fucking cool. I got distracted because when I was getting into this, I saw that she did the soundtrack for this game that came out this year called Sable. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. I barely played the game, but I've listened to the soundtrack because it's it's pretty great. Yeah, Jubilee's tight. Yeah, I really liked it. It was really... It was really well balanced. I know I kind of harped on that earlier, but like just being able to balance the songwriting and lyricism, I feel like there's so many really cool like dancey melodies on this. Yeah, it felt like a full, full with ideas to me. You yeah. know, you listen to uh, the Cloud Nothings. Yeah, I enjoyed the new record. I felt like um, it's like you know feels like a subtle progression of their style which i don't think is a bad thing i think they do a good job of layering like the guitar is doing different things just some good textures going on in the album overall they're really hard to pinpoint because like you said they mix so many different sounds where they get really abrasive and heavy yeah and they're just so fucking fast like seeing them live they just burn through i think they played a whole a whole album the last time i saw them they played That's Last awesome. Building Burning front to back, which is a 35-minute album. They played the entire thing front to back, and then they played, like, Stay Useless and all the all the big songs after that. Like, wow. it was just nuts. But, yeah, their, their drummer's insane to watch live, and their, their output's crazy. So last year, they started a subscription service where you could get new songs for them every month. I think it was four songs. What? And they did it for a full year. There's 12 of them. Dang. On top of the album they already recorded, which the Black Hole understands, that was really fucking good. I think I was number two last year. So that's like a song a week for a whole year. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. And then they had a like B-Sides record come out in December, and then this one come out in February. So three LPs and 12 EPs. That's and a lot. <laughs> during lockdown, like... I don't know if anybody's been that prolific during COVID. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Not that I know of. But it's consistent, too. Like, this record was really fucking good. Yeah. Am I Something was a really good single. Yeah, yeah. Every song felt solid to me. It was fun. So last time you mentioned you really liked Black Midi. Were yeah, you, Were yeah. you disappointed they were so low? Your 20, no. 23s feel about right? <laughs> Again, it's it's one of those things where I feel like I'm so focused on the instrumentation. I don't know what I I, I get why it why it is where it is, but uh, it's still it's still higher for me. It's the only one this year that I'm like jealous of. Like there's riffs where I'm like I want that on my fucking album, you know. <laughs> but that's such a specific thing. Again, like yeah. that's what I I totally get it because it's like it's just so up my fucking alley. It feels so unique to me. Is it the lyric? Is it the vocals that turn you off, or or what is it that puts them down from the the top tier? So again, it's they're Eli Manning. They're good. Eli's got some. <laughs> yeah, rings. I know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think the vocals mixed with again, I just have this reluctance for all these post punk bands just going slower. John L. The opening tracks like have really cool energy, and I really like it. But then it feels like the latter half of the record just really slows down and it's kind of moseys along. It has mm-hmm. some cool stuff. And that's not to say I don't like slow songs. There's plenty of post-punk stuff that's slow that I like. Like I mentioned earlier, Aught, a lot of their stuff slow that's really fucking good. But just comparing it to their last record that was just so fast and so frenetic and relentless. And yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And I That's think, fair. I think that was another thing where... The faster it was and the louder it was, the more it kind of camouflaged his lyrics, whereas the slower it is, the more kind of naked and out in front they are. Okay. 
not even necessarily the lyrics, just kind of the delivery of kind of the like weird, goofy drunk guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's the bibba. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my explanation. That's why I don't like it. The bibba. <laughs> but fair enough. I mean, I also appreciate how good they are at making really fucking different and intricate music. Yeah. And still making it super catchy. Like Yeah, yeah. That was That's what quite I mentioned in a little blurb on the blog about it. Like it reminds me a lot of King Crimson in that way, where it's super progressive, but it's still like something you're gonna be humming the second you turn it off. It's yeah. not like something that's just got the weirdest fucking time signature that everybody at the show can't even bob their head to it because no. they're off time. <laughs> no, it finds a good it finds a good middle ground there which I think all the best progressive music does. So speaking of progressive, so number 20, Colors 2, Between the Buried and Me. Yeah, okay. I like parts of it. I don't know. There's something a little funky about being a prog band and like wanting to push all these boundaries, but we're going to make a sequel to an album we already did and try and emulate all these avenues we already traveled. That's kind of the problem with prog in general, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That like... <laughs> it became defined as like a certain type of sound right it's like well how can it be <laughs> right if everything's counterculture aren't you just the culture <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah uh, i mean it's fun have you been th- with this band for a while yeah, yeah yeah for sure they were i think the wave of christian metalcore in indiana turned me off to metal and hardcore for a long time uh-huh and where i just if it was yelling i automatically wrote it off oh really and okay and then I got really into Horse the Band because of the Nintendo Core stuff. That was like my entry point. And then Horse the Band played a show with Between the Buried and Me, and they just fucking blew me away. That was like there was a crack in the dam with Horse the Band, and then once I heard Between the Buried and Me, that just opened the floodgates where I was listening to all kinds of metal stuff. Was that around the same time? That would have been like when they were playing Alaska? Yeah. Okay. Alaska and the first colors. I mean, those are – great fucking records yeah and this one i mean it's good but yeah it's not it's not on the same level as that and i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be it's a lot it's a lot better than like you said a lot of punk or metal bands age into this is a lot more respectable to have on your resume (laughs) 10 years deep (laughs) for sure yeah no it's fun you know they bounce around it's like them proving that they can play every fucking genre yeah the musicianship is is worth checking out um, one of the hip-hop albums did get really into you was McKinley Dixon from My Mama and Anyone Who Looked Like Her. Okay. I feel like a lot of people throw out like abstract rap or jazz fusion rap a lot just for anybody who isn't doing like mainstream pop rap. Mm. But this is something that like actually really had a really good balance of that where it really felt like a successful execution of blending instrumentally dynamic jazz and anthemic hip-hop where is this big melting pot of dirty south expressionism hell yeah it's just really fucking cool did you listen to uh the local funa yure yeah dude friends of the show yeah yeah oh hell yeah no i i loved it i didn't know about them until the interview you did with them i like her singing I like the. Do they both play synthesizers? Is that what's going on live? Or? Yeah, I think okay. they both play synth. They both play guitar. They kind of just switch yeah. off where needed. But that's really cool. But yeah, all the production felt really clean and nice. Yeah. It's good stuff for yeah. sure. 
representing Fort Wayne in a good way, I think. I thought I was going to get some Homer claims for putting them up so high. I've got them at 16, and because we had them on the show, but yeah, I I really, really dug it. They're good, yeah, they deserve it. It was more than, I felt like I was kind of getting to the point of just being over the 80s aesthetics, being overdone, and again and again, and kind of the synthwave stuff. Yeah. But this kind of progresses that as their record goes on into like industrial for and sure those last few tracks where it gets really dark like i really liked all that stuff a lot lucy dacus probably my favorite lyrics of the year that home video record was really good what what is it about the lyrics that you like so much it's just really really detailed connor ober style painful relationship stories mm. and just some of the obscure details that just like grab you like a random I'm trying to remember what the line is Oh, it's on the uh, single Christine, like the closing verse where she says, if you get married, I'd object, throw my shoe at the altar and lose your respect. (laughs) Just a weird reference to George Bush getting a shoe thrown at him, where she even admitted that like in an interview. That's why she wrote the line like that. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Wow. But just weird, I don't know, weird details like that that just pull you in or like shake it up from just being like a lovelorn heartbreak song yeah that's fascinating but yeah it was really well written there's a few moments where i was like ah that could have been fleshed out a little more um, production wise but for what it is i really really liked it hospital bracelet the canceled band we talked about last (laughs) did you listen to that one a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. what'd you think of them they're they're good i can see why you're into it yeah for sure you see why i'm into it but you i'm not saying that no (laughs) (laughs) No, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> what is it you like so much about this band? The canceling won't even stop your love no. for them. So, so why is that? I like the record. I don't, I don't know what happened to the band. They've gone into hiding. <laughs> no. That's the funny thing. I'm just thing. kidding about that stuff. But yeah, what what is it that you like so much about them? I mean, I think it's the they do kind of like the power pop Midwest emo stuff, but there's there's a lot of characters in the vocals where – it elevates it a little more, gives it a little more energy, mm-hmm. and gives it a little more angst. It's really just angsty and angry and mm-hmm. kind of breaks out of that whole, like, pouty emo divot that it's been in for a while, and it's okay. a little more aggressive, and that's kind of a little more my flavor. So gotcha. I really like that. But there is some kind of, like, emotional longing stuff in there, and it's one of those records It's like, 28 minutes seven tracks so like i find myself listening to it and just spinning straight through to the beginning again without even noticing Mm. which i feel like is always a good characteristic for that is yeah (laughs) that is one of the best characteristics for sure i find it kind of ironic like all these people coming out against like cancel culture like dave Chappelle and louis ck but they're still nominated for grammys but like this band is gone and nobody knows where they are right. <laughs> you can't yeah you can get canceled as like a millionaire and still be fine but if you get canceled in subculture you're done oh for sure <laughs> yeah i mean you can if you're a millionaire it's like right you the can rules are just it. fucking different yeah sincere engineer is kind of in that same vein as hospital bracelet where it's a little more personality driven power pop midwest emo personality driven as in like it's the meta that gets you fascinated about the band like them getting canceled and stuff. no <laughs> i mean just the lyrics have a little more bite to them than just your typical there's monsters in my closet uh my girlfriend uh, like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no, sincere engineer was badass i feel like there's this nice cross-section of like bands emulating like 90s alternative rock 
and punk at the same time. And I, I'm I'm digging that quite yeah. a bit just because I grew up on both of those. And sure. Sincere Engineer does a good job of that. How important to you is like track listing as far as like arranging tracks in an album? Are you someone that just puts it on and hits shuffle? It doesn't matter. No, no. I, I like to hear the first time through an album, I'll listen to it front to back. You yeah. know, like I, I want to hear the construction of it. I mean, that's really my only gripe with Sincere Engineer. Like it's one of those things where I like every song but the order is really weird. Like it starts off with all of the slow songs. And I know mm. like the typical thing for a punk album or a rock album, even it's like, Oh, just put your slow song at the end. Uh-huh. But, so I, I'm not saying necessarily do that, but it starts off with like four pretty slow mid tempo songs. Then it goes into like pop punk for the last seven. And it's really awesome. Yeah. It's like, if I wouldn't have been into this band, I don't know that I would have stuck around for the cool stuff at the end. Someone told me a long time ago that, you always put your best three songs up top because, like, oh, yeah, you know, you want people to hear your best shit, yeah, and they might bounce off before then, right? And so, I've like, <laughs> I feel like I subconsciously am thinking every band does that, oh, yeah. And so, when it's when the mix is off, I'm like, why do they do that, right? Why <laughs> <laughs> this album isn't gonna be very good, right? <laughs> this is your best, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm a sucker for a good closer. Usually, I will forgive a lot if you can leave me on a good note. Yeah, my brother's the same way. His yeah. we used to make fun of him because his favorite song was always the last song on every album. But <laughs> yeah. I I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, so. Ice Age I think is one of the few that has progressed that whole post punk subgenre. Yeah, into this is like just a really polished like indie rock album, and I really dig it. Yeah, it's cool. They've changed in ways. They've definitely, like, you can still hear that they're the same band in a yeah. lot of ways. But I've always liked their style. I've always liked their singer's style. Yeah. And so it's not, it's it wasn't difficult for me to get on board with this album. And, and again, yeah, I feel like some of, like, the, the tonal choices and instruments and, like, instrumentation and stuff is, is more interesting than what you hear a lot of the time with this style. Whatever the style is, I don't know. It's kind of... It kind of pushes it a little for me, but yeah. It almost sounds like something where like back in the day, you'd almost call it like a sellout album or something. It's really clean and really polished, uh-huh. but like they do it in a way that it isn't a sterilized clean sound. No. It's uh-uh. just more like focused somehow. Like they've just concentrated all the cool shit into really well-rounded songs. Like it, it really fills out their sound a lot more. Where the record before this, it seemed like they were kind of lost they were just like pushing out all this noise and it was just like popping a water balloon. Like mm-hmm. it just flooded everywhere. Whereas this is just like a fucking fire hose. Like it is very concentrated, very pointed and very full of direction, I guess I would say. I think that's a good a good way to describe it. Yeah. Another electronic album. Number 11, Perturbator. There was a Perturbator song on the 8th grade soundtrack, Bo Burnham's oh, yeah, film, 8th yeah. grade. Oh, there was. I didn't yeah. Know that's a great soundtrack in general, uh, yeah. but I found Perturbator from that. And then you sent me this. Probably like, when it came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, quite a while ago, and I remember listening to a little bit and being like, it's more 80s, Ryan. Right? I can't do it. <laughs> uh, but then you had said something like, well, there's some, you know, it kind of gets into some more like goth stuff and yeah. shit like that. And and so I gave it another try. I was like, yeah, that's true. This is There's more here. And I actually ended up being really interested in it. It's a darker album as far as like electronic stuff, but I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I felt it had a lot more textures and a lot more originality than like their first records where it's like, okay, 
I get what you're doing here, but like, how long is this going to last? Right? Uh-huh. This feels like a, almost like a fresh start of like a new chapter, like very, very different. Stands on its own a bit more. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think sonically the, the darker flavors, I guess. Yeah help that a lot but i also like the integration of lyrics a lot and having the vocals in there i thought that was uh-huh. really cool yeah I, I i thought some of that stuff was cool it i could go either way on it but yeah i mean the synth tones and stuff like some fat ass basses and shit yeah like, that stuff is well crafted <laughs> no i really like that plus it gives me something else to listen to that's in the vein of John Mouse without listening to John Mouse since he's a January 6th there. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got I to gotta get him out of my system. All right. So the top tier, if you're still awake. Here we are. The Hollywood handshakes. Best of the best. <laughs> I didn't realize how pornographic that sounded until I just started saying it on my own. Like the Hollywood handshake sounds like something that fucking Weinstein went to jail for. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I didn't think no, about it like that. This is That's not what this is. Great British baking show. This is <laughs> yeah. very wholesome. Anyways, Suffering Hour, yeah, number fi- 10. Finally got some good metal. I thought this was really cool. There's just some good guitar riffs going on. There's some cool guitar tones going on, Yeah. which is like, really, dude, if you don't have that and you're a black metal band, yeah. like fucking call it a day i'm sorry <laughs> that's an award sickest guitar tone this this gets it i, love I would the say guitar so hell yeah dude <laughs> that that chorusy gritty distortion stuff going on sounds like you're listening to the necronomicon like it's so fucking haunted yes <laughs> it's not a complacent record i don't know maybe that maybe people will take meaning from that or not but like it's it's black metal but it doesn't feel like it's just utilizing all those tropes some of the riff structure and stuff really felt like it works for a black metal band, but it wasn't just something, you know, taken from the history of that genre. It's a good fucking record. Have you followed uh, Tyler, the creator at all? His weird career path? Not really. I always see Tyler, the creator, and like I've heard some of his music and like seen some of his like sketch comedy and stuff like that. I, this might sound dumb, but <laughs> I just got the vibe that I wasn't like cool enough for Tyler, the creator. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. You're not invited to the Tyler party. I don't feel like I am. I don't know. I feel like he's someone that would make fun of me. Funny you say that because I had a friend who lived in LA and like when you live in California, you're like, oh, do you see any famous people? Sure. He said he saw Tyler, the creator. I was like, oh, did you say anything? Fuck no. I would be so scared to talk to him. Are you kidding me? He seems like, yeah, he would just slap you across the face and everyone would be like, yeah, that's what what did you think was going to happen? That's Tyler, the creator. Right. What did you think of this record? I thought it was good. What kind of music is it? It's kind of a, a whole journey of all the styles he's done so far. So like when he started, it was very much like horrorcore, in your face, intentionally offensive mm-hmm. hip hop. And he did like three records of that where like had really good singles, but the albums overall weren't great because I don't know, they're kind of empty content wise. Okay. And then Flower Boy he did was like a big concept album and he kind of came out and it caught everybody off guard, but he didn't do it very explicitly. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody really appreciated the artistry and started digging in a little deeper to his lyrics at that point. We're like, oh, this guy actually does have something to say. Hmm. He's not just the kid repeating things that get him laughs in a lunchroom, you know? (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. But then after that he did uh, Igor, which seemed to really kind of mimic Frank Ocean a little too much for me. Okay. It's like, you don't really have that kind of depth. Uh. <laughs> but this this kind of does all of it. And I thought it was like a cool 
it sounds derogatory to say it's like a victory lap record, but it reminded me a lot of uh, Kendrick Lamar's Damn, where it's like, okay, I did my artistic shit. I want to do yeah. like something that I can go tour on and just fucking play in stadiums Have some fun. And, yeah yeah and there are a lot of fun songs on that record it's a really good like big mainstream hip-hop album okay. he was one of the few that came through for me this year i would say for sure yeah victory laps are all right if if you earned them all i right. think so number eight is proof by downhaul proof <laughs> do you like it it was good yeah. yeah they feel so like comfortable in their style it has that western kind of infusion i think yeah. you hear a lot in their guitar style and tone and things like that and then also the vocalist is just so like distinct you know yeah. like it's such a crisp pronunciation of every word and right. like i don't know it, it creates this really confident like effective mood for the band overall i think what did you think i really liked it it kind of reminded me i mean one of my favorite bands murder by death they kind of toe this line of punk indie country mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what this reminded me of. It yeah. sounds very country. One of the biggest detractors I've seen a lot of people complain about this band has been the vocals. Yeah. And I feel bad because I even saw, I don't remember if it was the band themselves or the singer, like retweeted somebody reviewing the album saying it's uh, Squidward's alt-country album. <laughs> like, oh, oh, man. Poor dude. Like, I don't, they don't stick out to me very much. I feel like they fit the music where it reminded me more of, like, R.E.M. or Interpol or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it. <laughs> it's not my favorite, but it's also, like, I think it fits the style of the music in a mm -hmm. good way. The Squidward thing is a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, Squidward and uh, Kermit, I think I saw mm. both. I was like, oh, Whatever confidence you just said they had before this. <laughs> well, be... if he's tweeting it out, right, then yeah, like, he's fucking good for that. Self-assured enough that, yeah, the... hopefully it doesn't dissuade him going forward. But yeah, I guess that would probably qualify as my indie record of the year. I would say that's indie. Yeah, I would say so too. I, I didn't realize it until I looked back over this. There weren't a whole lot of indie records that I was super into. I feel like everybody's either going into like dancey synth stuff or they're going into the post-punk thing where it doesn't really feel like indie anymore there's a lot of post-punk yeah virginity they were kind of straightforward power pop punk i think last time you asked me if i was into any punk bands that would probably qualify as my most punk band i got into this last year i really dug this record i mentioned earlier dillinger four being able to walk that line between like abrasive punk sensibilities and having like pop choruses. I feel like they emulate that really well on this record. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward stuff. Uh -huh. A little more flavor than uh turnstile, but yeah, at least I, for me. Those the vocals sounded a bit more fun, yeah. I think. Hip hop album of the year, Navy Blue. Navy's reprise definitely reminded me of like old school East Coast hip hop. Definitely some Nas vibes on this with like the old school orchestration in the background. But it was just really trimmed down and really seamless where it felt like if you go back and listen to a lot of those old 90s hip hop records, there's just a lot of fat that can be cut, whether it's like dumb <laughs> skits or just. You can't cut the skits. Instrumentals that just go on forever. This is just like all the best shit all condensed into one really fucking great 90s East Coast record. I agree. Like, the only note I had written down for Navy's reprise is really fucking good. <laughs> uh, I didn't write that down for anything else. Like, there you go. That's yeah, the it's exclusive a clean... owner of the really fucking good <laughs> title. Yep, that's right. <laughs> it gets my really fucking good award this year. Number five, 
Texas by Sleigh Bells. Yeah. Another electronic album. It's another one you showed me like earlier in the year, so I'd kind of been coming back to them now and then and I honestly thought this was going to be like a gimmick band that wouldn't last this long like I think this is like right. their fourth record I think they could turn people off from a brief listen yeah but I think if you listen to them about like here's the thing they they're one of those bands where the choice of instrumentation and stuff can sometimes sound like it was just kind of thrown together yeah. right like we were talking about distorted guitar and like dance beats earlier and shit right. like that. Well, this, they take that kind of the, to the extreme. Well, it's but, almost like stadium rock. Like yeah, it's super clean, like Van Halen guitar. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it they do a good job of it somehow. I yeah. don't know how they make it work, but it, yeah, it's one of those things where it sounds like it was thrown together, but like clearly that, that's not the case. Right. Most likely, a lot of work went into figuring out how to incorporate those things in a good way, and then there's just this strange like juxtaposition with her vocals and the music yeah because she has this lightness to her melodies and stuff that is almost creepy uh and unsettling by the music yeah yeah uh, in in just a very cool way no i always just associate it mostly because of their debut album was just a picture of a cheerleader pyramid Mm. So it just always reminds me, like, when I think Sleigh Bells, I just think of, like, really aggressive cheerleader chants with rock guitars. It kind of fits, <laughs> yeah. No, that's not that's not a bad description, honestly. A lot of the riffs are just so cool. Like, some of it, like you said, on first listen, the instrumentation's a little, a little strange, but stripped down just the arrangements and the fucking hooks and riffs that they use are They're so catchy. Fucking dynamite. Just so well layered. Yeah. And... I think there's a lot more depth here too, whereas kind of similar to Perturbator, it had just the very simple synth beat of just the every song. Yeah. Or just the pounding drum beat. Whereas this has a lot more range. There's a fucking ballad on the last track, which yeah. was unexpected. And yeah, I didn't I didn't expect this kind of depth from them. Yeah, it definitely blew my expectations out of the water. Number four, oh, hell the one yeah. we talked about last time, Blood Moon. It's four too high even. No, I think four is all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it deserves to be in the best. Yeah. It's cool. I mean mostly I guess... for Chelsea Wolf, I think, upon reflection. Yeah. But I think it's cool that Converge can kind of step aside and become like the backing band for yeah. someone else. I'm excited by them showing their willingness to shift in this way. Yeah. You know? So I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this. But I meant to ask you last time and I forgot. Okay. In the whole pantheon of Converge albums. Where where does Blood Moon fall for you? Because I feel like everybody Jane Doe is the top of the top of the heap for most everybody, right? Yeah, I think it is. Like it's not it's not for me. Yeah. Um, what would you have there? No heroes. No heroes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's lame because it's like when they started going, I think a little more straightforward in some ways. I was talking about like polish oh, last yeah, yeah. week. I think I think the falls the one everyone points to. Well, that like one is like okay, yeah, yeah like yeah. fucking listen to this album, listen to the production. But but it's not an um, epitaph. it seems like an epitaph album, right? <laughs> but technique wise, I think you can hear in No Heroes some of that. Okay, we're going in this direction a bit more. Right. Um, but I fucking I love that record still. And then I like Axe to Fall quite a bit as well. I might put that under No Heroes and then maybe Jane Doe after that, just because it is so like frenetic and it came out in two thousand one. I That's know, insane. yeah. And there's just so much there's so many ideas on that record. Like you have to give it credit for that. Just it's... the sheer number of 
things that they fucking crammed onto that record is cool. It's just such a fucking trailblazing album. Like, that came out the same year fucking Take Off Your Pants and Jacket came out. Yeah. The same year fucking 8 Mile came out. Oh, You Fail Me. Too. Yeah. Oh, man. I was going to say, that's my pick. That's my number one. I don't know if it was yeah. just because I was expecting Fuck. kind of a slump after Jane Doe. Uh-huh. And You Fail Me, like, just hit so fucking hard. You Fail Me is pretty good. I, I'm going to have to get back to you okay. on the overall list. Yeah. I got to say, again, this might be my recency bias talking, but I think I'd go You Fail Me, Jane Doe, and Blood Moon. As your top three? Yeah. Okay. At least for now. I mean, things change. It could it could wear, but I feel like it has such a distinct place amongst all their stuff. Like, I appreciate it that much more that's a good point i mean just as far as like representing the different stages that they've been through i think that does a a decent job of it i mean there's some good stuff off of like even all we love we leave behind there's there's some great stuff on there but yeah i don't think it's quite essential converge in the way that some of the other stuff is and yeah i'd put blood moon as essential converge i don't think they've made a bad record i mean i no. okay so number three genesis awusu fucking love this shit dude what is this (laughs) oh my gosh it's so fucking cool australian prince i was like is it is it funky but it's not it's like spicy he won rap album of the year for like australian equivalent to the grammys but i'm like he's not really rapping it's fucking cool it's it's just a good blend of stuff it's one of the more unique things that i listened to this year both the instrumentation and the vocals and stuff are a lot of fun it just covers so much ground. Like, Waiting On Ya is such, like, a big, like, easy pop song. Mm-hmm. But then if you sit and listen to it with, like, fucking headphones and just how far the bass line goes all over that song, like, yeah. it's just insane, the layers to it. And then you go to, like, Drown, and it sounds like a TV on the radio song. It mm-hmm. just, that's an awesome fucking debut for fans of Anderson Pack. Yeah, yeah. Had flavors of that. Kind of in it. that lane, for sure. We talked a little bit about this last time also. I think it probably would have been my album of the year had it been a little shorter. Yeah, okay. I didn't necessarily dislike the latter half of the album. I think maybe it's just that the first half of the album just hits so fucking hard. I think it's both. I think the first is really good, and then I think there's some extra stuff on the end of the album that maybe didn't didn't all need to be there. It could have lost a song or two. It's a 53-minute album, 15 songs, which is kind of long for now, but like yeah. the stretch just one through eight when it just crescendos with smiling with no teeth, like mm-hmm. that just hits so great, and then yeah. it just drops off a little bit yeah it just kind of hangs around i mean it's not a sharp decline but it just doesn't have that same urgency to it but the rest i mean that that stretch right at the beginning there's hardly anything better than that this it's year. super really solid yeah i'm excited to see what else this guy does so i'm kind of embarrassed to ask you about this next one was i the person that introduced this person to you have you heard of her before i'd never heard of her but i'm really glad you did yeah her. i i i really like this album yeah i, I would have put it at the same spot sour olivia rodrigo number two i heard all the hypes i was like i, I gotta check it out but mm-hmm. yeah she's an incredible songwriter i would yeah. never know this is a fucking disney channel prodigy from high school musical like is that what's going on here yeah oh my god she's tiktok famous i mean i knew she was super young and part of that is just like no one writes a love song like a fucking teenager right yeah it's just solid fucking breakup songs for like so much of the album well yeah that's all uh, it is and still yeah. like it's 
so yeah. well rounded that like no I can't honestly even be mad at it yeah uh, no honestly <laughs> the parts where it was dipping out of that i was like no no I wanna... <laughs> go back to the heartbreak yeah i want to hear how do you have this many feelings about it but it's fucking great it's so good like and yeah. she's she just seems like she's boiling under the surface at certain parts like she you know cusses and shit like yeah at gets... least yeah disney's not putting the reins on her she can go do her thing oh no, and... <laughs> no yeah it was it's really cool i was surprised it reminded me a lot of uh lizzo kind of in that way where like if you look at it just thematically it's very similar the whole album through but mm-hmm. there's so much perspective and depth with each song that you, you can't really get mad at it like yeah it's, it's just nailed so well do you have a favorite track um I, I, I don't I'm not good with song names okay. and stuff. Yeah. What about you? I don't know if I can pick one. I like Brutal. That was a good opener. It has that uh alleged El- Elvis Costello riff. There's a lot of really cool stuff. I think I What even... is what do you what is that? Alleged Elvis Costello riff. Is she getting sued? <laughs> yeah, that's Oh a, my gosh, see, I'm, dude. I'm just bringing you into all this teen drama now. Uh, She's getting sued by everybody. Not Elvis Costello though. Elvis Costello came out and said, "Let's dumb." Like Good for him. He's right. It is dumb. Yeah. You don't own music. No, she uh, <laughs> she didn't outright get sued, but after her album had been out for three, four months, all of a sudden Paramore and Taylor Swift got songwriting credits on her songs. <laughs> oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. That stuff is so grubby, dude. Like, does Paramore honestly think they're the first person that wrote anything on any of their records? <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah, there's Get such out a here. fucking battle for intellectual property that everybody just wants to throw their flag and everything. So that brings us to number one. Home is where another debut. Fucking short, six tracks, and it just—it's <laughs> insane. I've listened to this album so many times, and it's one that you just pick apart things and find new things every time you listen to it. Yeah. It's just so well layered and so abstract almost with all the different places it reaches from with this Americana feel of harmonica and Jeff Magnum vocals of like neutral milk hotel, but then (laughs) post hardcore breakdowns and yeah, it gets pretty heavy at certain points. I I really, really dug it. I'm really excited about this band. Is this their first record? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, they're going to be, they're going to be a lot of fun. I think, I mean, it has that energy to it. I mean, I guess, can we call them a, did you call them a punk band? Did you say they were punk? I think so. I okay, think yeah. I mean, it lot. has that energy to it. Like, it might not be the what we used to think of as punk, but, like, it sounds like it's just got a lot of energy, and that's what you want for, like, a first record, you know? And, like, getting this much diversity on a first record is something you don't typically get, so that's really exciting. It reminds me a lot more of, like, an At the Drive-In or, like, a Trophy Scars, where they mm-hmm. branch out into, like, a lot of weird different terrain yeah. And so, yeah, I feel like the emo tag is a little reductive, but yeah, I definitely dug it a lot. It's probably my most listened to. Well, I think year. Spotify said Bo Burnham, but oh. I didn't know if that qualified. This is album of the year since it's technically a soundtrack. What? <laughs> Did you take him out? I thought he was here earlier. No, I didn't. I didn't have him. Are you serious? Yeah. Should we have put him in? Did I see bo jackson and think yeah that it was you thought bo jackson was bo, bo burnham, burnham. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me <laughs> he'd be he'd be number 115 for me dang yeah i feel like the tide did really turn on him like he was really popular for like two months and then everybody's like nope i i felt that as well yeah i guess that's music 
Huh? That's everything, isn't that's, it? That's uh, that's sounds for the year. The winner is. Let's bring them out and tell them what they won. <laughs> I mean, that's what music is, right? It's a competition. That's why we do these rankings <laughs> right. and assign arbitrary numbers and gatekeep and taste make and make all these people feel mm-hmm. bad about their hard work, <laughs> so we can give people that we like preferential treatment that's that's why we do this that's why we're in this business listen there has to be some way of it's not like sports it's easy with sports to score things yeah we have to make up our own systems anybody can run a fucking scoreboard those judges in the olympics takes years listen little miss america pageants olivia rodrigo is shooting threes from like 10 feet behind the three-point line, all right? She's from the logo. She's on the five-point square from a Harlem Globetrotters game. All right, so did you watch anything? I guess we'll cover a little bit of movies. We're probably running long here, but... I don't think I've watched any movies recently. I dug into the new Witcher season. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Are you into that at all? I can't get into that, like, time period. Yeah. Game of Thrones was never my thing. The Last Duel really bummed me out. I don't remember The Last Duel. As uh, Ridley Scott's new movie with oh, Matt yeah. Damon. And, and yeah, you were talking about that, yeah. And it's one of those, like, you ever see a sitcom where, like, they try and do weird constructs and, like, okay, so the structure for this show is we're going to tell the same story but from three points of view. Right. That's what The Last Duel is but with a medieval rape. Oh. Matt Damon punches a horse from trying to fuck another horse. That was the most entertaining part. <laughs> <laughs> the Witcher, I I I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. I didn't care about it. Yeah. Like I watched it and it Is it just, just fulfilling that Game of Thrones void for you? It's funny that you bring up like filling the Game of Thrones void because I f- I was thinking about that and thinking how many fucking fantasy shows happened after that show came out? And then I, I was realizing the person that actually did it, Jesse Armstrong, the writer oh, yeah. of creator of Succession, yeah. was the one that was like, no, this is how you do Game of Thrones or like the shit that people like about Game of Thrones. Did he do a medieval show? No, I'm saying, saying Succession oh, yeah. is the thing the the thing that has come closest to to scratching the Game of Thrones itch. Yeah, because it's like watching Game of Thrones if it just like focused on the worst family in that show, like the Lannisters. They were all super entertaining characters. Yeah, uh, and yeah, Succession is like just getting to watch them basically. So I I did finish that recently, and that was that was great. It's been a while since I saw the first two seasons, but I feel like this was the one where it kind of clicked the show's overall theme where I got like where they were going and just kind of this late capitalism rot that just makes yeah. all these people fucking miserable and sacrifice everything about themselves just for money and power. And they're all just so fucking pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw a lot of the cast got kind of upset because people were framing it and saying, is like, is this a comedy? Because there are so many just laugh out loud moments especially just fucking Greg and Tom like oh, those yeah. two kill me every time oh yeah that it's fucking... great. <laughs> but it is it's so strange that like you can sit there and just laugh at these people that birthday episode where Kendall's celebrating his 40th birthday and he spends all this money for these ridiculous recreations of like his childhood treehouse and then he realizes like the only reason his family is at this party for him is to make a deal like they don't want anything to do with him yep and he doesn't know any of these people at his birthday party. It's just profoundly sad, but also <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. It's it's so weird. It is such a strange 
blend of tones like i don't know how they achieve it but it's funny how how much it seems like an ongoing debate of like whether the show is a comedy or a tragedy yeah you know which i think is yeah it's it just speaks to the overall tone of the show i mean before we started i was saying it's like a jazz chord it has all these different fucking yeah upper extensions in it that like you know you can't i don't know like can't quite identify like perfectly and categorize but like it's just adding this different color to it that's just incredible well it's funny because like the cultural zeitgeist is just so spread out into all these different directions it's not like everybody's like going home to watch i love lucy or like the same big sitcoms that everybody just loves yeah Instead, the only way you can get people to agree on something is just hatred. Like, nobody loves Kanye. Everybody agrees they hate them. Nobody likes the Kardashians. Everybody hates them together. It's what unifies us. And, like, Succession does that. We all just love to watch this terrible family out to just (laughs) destroy each other for their own personal gain. Yeah. It's almost like a Greek tragedy of the fall of this empire. In a lot of ways, yeah. I don't know what it is for me, whether it's a comedy or drama i'm not sure why i watch it like i think it's for both so i think it's a lot of my favorite stuff kind of paints outside the lines like paul thomas anderson's movies like boogie nights has fucking hilarious moments but then it has really dark fucking violent moments and it's not just a one note thing where it's just comedy all the time with a laugh track you know yeah and i feel like it reminds me a lot of the Sopranos in that way where like the Sopranos had so many just genuinely funny moments, but it's not a comedy by any means. No, I feel like we're, we're just fascinated by the stuff that we can't categorize or quite understand. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to the music stuff too. Like once you get the formula of like, okay, everybody's going to shift from shoegaze to post-punk. Now everybody's been beating the post-punk horse into the ground for a few years and you see the formula, you see the code, and it's like, okay, what's next? Right, yeah, like, exactly, dude. I was thinking about that. I was like, this is kind of the same thing we were saying about music, is if you can color outside the lines a little bit, then you'll end up with something better. I don't know how much you, attention you pay to uh, award nominations at all, but the Golden Globe nominations came out. I don't pay much attention to that stuff. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah but what, what's up? What, what do they say? Every once in a while, I'll look at it just for a gauge of like, okay, this is what people who are in the industry think is good. Right, right, sure. And Golden Globes is one that does like movies and TV. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like jumps out at you how far behind network television has fallen Mm. because every show nominated is either on a streaming platform or hbo like there's nothing how are they so bad at putting stuff on regular channels i don't understand (laughs) i don't know what's the last show you just watched like the basic five channels to watch that wasn't a sporting event or an award show Um, or a reality show so i checked out that what was it i think it was a cbs show it was called uh ghosts Oh, God. Did you watch that? It looks so bad. I watched a little bit of that. How was it? Don't let me taint your experience of ghosts. Oh, it was it was not great. <laughs> it was not great. It was very generic. Um, it was it was kind of funny because earlier you'd brought up sitcoms where it's like the this elaborate premise. Yeah. Um, that is what this show is. Yeah. And like almost every joke is based on the premise. But, you know, I think it could have been worse. Yeah. Um, 
but I didn't make it very far into ghosts. I don't even know. I don't think I knew that it was like a CBS show or I probably wouldn't have checked it out. That's usually my first flag. Like I don't I don't trust anything coming out of CBS. I don't yeah. know if it's all the cop shows or what, but I'm just like Oof. I don't trust their barometer for good entertainment. I hear you. At least ever since Everybody Loved Raymond went off the air. That was the last CBS show I really dug. Oh, and man. then it's like I used to watch that a lot as a kid. I can't consciously support a network that's going to put out 14 season on the big bang theory or young sheldon oh man but yeah i feel like network television is just becoming the exclusive home for like live events that's the only way they can get you to watch their shows like you have to watch a sporting event or an award show or a reality contest to see who wins right otherwise they're not going to get you to watch ghosts every monday at 8 30 or you know what i mean right we used to have those blocks of like nbc would just hit you with like Parks and Rec and The Office and 30 Rock. Like, yeah, that or like Lost gone. or something, you yeah. know? Streaming services are kind of just eating their lunch on I fucking mean, they TV. just <laughs> like fucking grabbed the floor right out from under them yeah. years ago. And I feel like we're still just not even seeing the full extent of that. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the other thing that kind of perplexes me. The few CBS shows I have been interested in watching are just ostracized on Paramount Plus where no one will ever see them. Right. <laughs> like, oh, there's a Twilight Zone reboot. Jordan Peele's doing it. Oh, I can't watch it on CBS. Why not? Mm. <laughs> it's on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Or what was it? They did The Stand, Stephen King's series. I think that got canceled before I even got a chance to find out what network it was on. Oh, really? Yeah, I think oh, it's dang. done already. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to see more in-depth coverage of the albums also... Just go to the blog. We don't have an easily digestible URL yet, but there's links in our social stuff. You can get there. You know, you guys are tech savvy You'll if you're listening it. to this. Yeah. But yeah, we've got the whole list, and we've got lists of years past, and then a playlist on Spotify of all our favorite songs, and Bo Burnham, who didn't make the list at all because <laughs> he's a comedian and he doesn't count as a musician. And, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's about it. That's Happy New Year. That's the show. That's the show.